0: Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. All right, let's get back to the coaching thing for our last little mini segment here. Logan, uh, we had someone send us a question on Instagram about Charles London, and basically, sure. like, how can he be a serious candidate? Like, Matt Ryan wasn't that great under him, and you know, Desmond Ritter, like, it wasn't like he set the world on fire. And how could you take a guy who was a quarterbacks coach, uh, very briefly, and a running back coach, and make him your OC, how can that be serious? And, and you have other people, whether it's uh, Eric Studisville or uh, Thomas Brown or, or right. really anybody that hasn't done it before and been successful, how could they possibly? And so I wanna take, uh, I guess, a positive, optimistic view of this question and, and use it as a learning opportunity for me and, and everybody else. How do you make that projection? Um, yeah. Because like projecting something we're gonna talk about a lot uh, over the next couple of weeks with the draft uh, as well, or next couple of months with the draft on player side, but for a coach, like what are the things that you would say are indicative of a, a position coach being able to make the jump to coordinator?
1: Yeah, this is a really tough question because I've obviously never been a head coach. I've never had to make a hire, but I just kind of have to defer to what I would do if I were to make a hire. And the yeah, things well, I Well, and would also lean
0: for. on your experience as yeah, a player. Like you played for, you know, guys who made that leap and you saw them make that leap right. while you were playing for them.
1: And I do think all the guys that I know that have made the transition have done so in a way that I th- I think is how you would prefer to do it. So basically what I mean by that <clears throat> is they've shown that they're very bright football people they're very bright football people and so that's one element but they're also very charismatic leaders and teachers and they can make the material engaging they're very comfortable in front of the team and they're very comfortable with the clicker in their hand and they breed just by their presence a sense of confidence and you can see that from day one like sean was a a ga when he took over the tight end coaching job when i was here but like not GA. It's like quality control is what they call it. GA is a college term. Um, But he'd get up and do, I think it was short yardage presentations or third down, something like that. And it wasn't like too big for him. It was like, I am, I was sent by God to tell you this short yardage information. And that, and then you're like, Oh, okay. Like I, I believe this plan. I believe the presentation. And there's a huge element to that. It's like, think about when you're in school And you've got that teacher who's quiet and kind of meek. The class is not engaging, right? You need a good presenter. and need someone who knows what they're talking about. So Sean was that way. Wes was that way. Kyle was that way. Kyle had to learn how to do that, to be fair. Matt LaFleur had to learn how to do that, to be fair. But what they were able to do is kind of go into a mentorship relationship when they were calling plays. So the most kind of famous example is Sean with Jay. Jay called the plays. Sean built the game plan that to me is the way to bring along a young, innovative offensive mind because you get the structure of the of the mentor and you get the innovative youth and the learning process and the grind of the young player until they cultivate their own identity under the tutelage of their mentor or whatever. So if I had to bring a young guy along, that's how I would do it. But if I'm interviewing a young guy, what, what I want to hear that, I, I want to hear from people that I know that they're doing a good job, that they're innovative, they work hard, they study, they grind the tape. All those things are really important. And then in the interview, I want to talk ball with them. And I want them to show me not where the game is now, but where the game is going to be in a year or two. Where I want them to give me a prediction of where that's going to go. And I want them to give me a a plan to how they are going to accommodate this trajectory that they see. And does it have to go that way? No, but I want them to be thinking in that way. And I think that's where those young coaches now are becoming more and more popular in that way. Instead of getting someone who's got a traditional view of the game, their game and the way they're viewing it is cultivating and growing. So that is kind of my interview process and what I would do. And, and for a guy like London, this is interesting because they've he's been a part of an offense um who's the oc there who's that coach there um, uh frank smith, frank or, or, smith. No, arthur smith arthur, arthur smith. smith yes thank you arthur smith who is um who has had a lot of success with a very specific philosophy and has shown an ability to elevate quarterbacks all things that are good and people say oh mario didn't play very well Mar- this is like the best year Mariota's had like in four or five years as a starter right so that is all all good signs it's an offense that's innovative in a very specific way it's tracking with what teams are doing to complement and supplement average quarterback play. It elevates quarterback play. You were a key cog in learning that. So in that interview, I'm going to ask you, so what's the next progression of this? And if he's a smart guy, he'll have some type of answer. And I'm also going to call all my buddies down in Atlanta and say, what is up with this guy? And that's how it's going to go. And I think you are using kind of in the same way you do with the draft, right? Does he have an actual propensity or talent for what he's doing? And then what is the projection based off of these intangible qualities to get him to be the OC? And I think that's kind of how I would walk that because you are counting on a certain level of development.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's that's the thing that's tough tough for Ron, and why a guy like Shermer becomes instantly appealing is Pat Shermer is not really developing. Like Pat Shermer is who he is, and you might look at that as a negative in some situations, but you know he doesn't have to learn how to call plays, and he's seen a bunch of situations, and there's a bunch of value in that. I know Nikki wasn't super fond of of him as a candidate, but like I think we've both said, like he's probably at the top of our list. I mean, part of that is also just like we're looking at it through a realistic lens of what Ron is right. looking at it. If we right. were hiring for, if, if, if you were named head coach and I was on your staff and we we're doing the interview process and, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to make a hire. Like, we're probably more interested in someone like a Thomas Brown, right. younger guy that, like, hey, we're going to be here for a while. We feel confident in it. Um, the owner's signed off, and and this guy's going to come in. And ho- we hope to have him for three years because chances are if his stock continues to rise like it is, then he's going to get a head coaching job soon. Right. Um, that's not the situation Rivera is in. And there's kind of an urgency of now um which is also an interesting fit with the young quarterback so how do you balance that you know that that insulating of a young quarterback but also wanting to bring him along and balance development and and immediacy um it's tough but at the yes. end of the day like it also is all gearing towards winning as many football games and the immediacy goes away if you win that's the other part of this is like the immediacy of needing to to win right now, if you're doing the right things, you will win games. And, and thus, whoever the new owner is, is probably going to want to keep you.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you you kind of opened up a little bit of a Pandora's box, which we've talked about. Yeah. It's just this situation is so unique. It's so unique in its parameters, right? It's not, I'm not looking for the best candidate in the history of the NFL. I'm looking for the best candidate who can meet these parameters we've got a young quarterback who's familiar with a specific terminology i want someone who can come in and speak that terminology and elevate that way because it we only do have a year as much as i want drake london or brown or studsville studentsville to come in and kind of bring their offensive pedigree and their offensive background and learn and grow and change what we're doing and do something truly innovative we're, we're, we're restricted by time and we're restricted by the young quarterback so a what's the best parameter for the young quarterback probably some level of familiarity for what he did last year and b you have a guaranteed year now it might turn into something more but those two things limit growth of a your play caller and b the offensive coordinator so i think both of those things are so important and honestly why Shermer feels like the best candidate right now and while he feels like the, maybe not the best but the most likely candidate because like i said like you said we would probably go in a different direction but based on the net and the rules that have been established by this very unique situation, he's the guy, you know, and and, yeah. and, and I think that's hard for a lot of fans to say because it is it is a little bit familiar. It is a little bit of a retread. It is a little bit of a lateral move, but the situation kind of See, actually I,
0: I don't know that I, the more I think about it, the more I don't know that I agree with that, though. I think Pat Shermer's is a better offensive coordinator than Scott Turner well, I, huh. in
1: terms of in terms of calling plays and being familiar with what he's doing, yeah, having like an Scott was, identity. Scott was
0: a first time coordinator. Like right. Pat Shermer has been yes. very successful as an OC I um, in multiple places and, and helped elevate guys in a way that Turner uh, failed to do in his, his three years here. So um, is there a mixed bag of results? Yes. Is, did Scott, Scott didn't have a mixed bag of results. He had three pretty lackluster statistical seasons. So um, I will take mixed over bad, um, to just put it bluntly, any day of the week. So there's there's that, even though if there's someone who could be good, good is better than mixed. Uh, All right we will continue to obviously cover this who knows maybe by the time we get back together next week uh there will be an offensive coordinator for us to to talk about in reality instead of hypothetically uh we'll continue to get different perspectives on this i know sam fortier is looking forward to jumping on with us when he can Nikki's colleagues at the washington post he's covering uh the nfc championship game this week so he's uh he's locked into some things in philadelphia but when he gets done covering the playoffs he's going to hop on with us uh i know one of your coaching buddies is probably going to join us very soon logan so very excited yep. about about that uh, and then uh we got a couple of the draft folks that we're starting to line up in, in the queue as well so we're not going anywhere uh, make sure you subscribe apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app youtube wherever it is you're watching or listening and we'll see you twice a week uh until further notice and, and that notice <laughs> is not coming anytime soon uh for logan i'm craig and we'll see you next time on take Home.